if you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Horse welfare and safety are of utmost importance where humans have any interaction with horses. Within the courses at International Horse College, we only utilise methods that promote safe and humane ways of interaction between horses and humans. We only support safe methods of educating riders, handlers and trainers about horse welfare. Internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352. I'm excited to introduce Dr. Peter Huntington again today. For those who've listened to Peter Huntington's chats before, he's a vet who specialises in equine nutrition and conducts ongoing research and investigation into the nutrition of horses. All you have to do is go to horsechats.com, go to, I think it's number 244, but just go to horsechats.com, search for Peter or search for Huntington and you'll find his previous chats. He's chatted before about 10 tips for feeding horses but now we're going to talk about a little bit more of a specialty area and feeding performance horses. Now, how are you today, Peter? Yeah, I'm great, Clemens. Thank good, you. Good. good to be back here again. Yeah, yeah, good to talk to you again too. And I'm sure that our listeners will enjoy your expertise because you really are a specialist in this field. Now, we talked about the 10 tips of basic feeding principles last time, but now we've got 10 tips on feeding performance horses. And I know we talked about the forage and introducing concentrate and everything else. So it's going to be a little bit more specialised now. So we go through these 10 tips. The first one is... Select energy concentrates based on workload, the value of fat and fibre in the ration. So can you speak about that, please, Peter? Yes, yeah, there's, there's many different uh, breeds of horses uh, that we use for performance mm-hmm. and um, types of workload. And so the amount of extra energy that they need in concentrates will vary according to the breed, according to those factors, and according to individual metabolism. And things like, uh, you know, behaviour or just, you know, general energy to do the work uh, have a big influence on uh, what t- not only the amount of concentrate that should be fed, but the type of concentrate and where the energy comes from. Um, so if you've got a horse that doesn't need uh, a lot of extra energy, then they need to be fed something that's a sort of lower energy or a lower intake feed. Uh, if you've got a high-energy horse like a racehorse or a very hard-working horse like, uh, like uh, a sort of high-level uh, uh, eventer then, or polo horse, then they need obviously a higher, uh, higher intake and, um, or a higher energy feed. Now, Traditionally, horses were fed concentrates that were based on starch, particularly starch, um, depending on the amount of molasses used, sugar. So grains like oats or corn or barley, most of the energy is coming from starches. But in recent times, uh, there's been introductions of fat and fibre as energy sources. So fat will get from uh, oil or sunflower seeds in particular, um, also from uh, commercial supplements. And uh, fibre we're getting either from... uh, hay, of course, which is a basic part of the horse's diet, or from chaff, or from things like uh, digestible fibre sources like lupins or beet pulp or soybean hulls. So um, if the rider has a number of options, you know, a much bigger menu to choose from, and um, the most appropriate feed for, you know, 
there's not one feed that's appropriate for every horse. So mm-hmm. uh, you've got to vary your, your choice of feed and the amount you feed according to the horse. Yeah, yeah. I think that's important. That Just that tip itself is that it's not one feed that's appropriate for every horse, that we've really got to look at the different horses and what we should feed them. Yeah, and, and I mean, that's it. All horses are individuals. I mean, one of my, um, you know, keep it simple and feed your horse as an individual are, are two of the, you know, key points of, of basic feeding principles that we probably left off. Uh, would have been easy if we could have had 12 uh, basic feeding principles last time, but we, we left that individual. If we had have had the 12, what else extra would you have introduced? What would have been the other oh, two? I would have, I would have said, uh, you know, feed your horse an individual, mm-hmm. uh, which I guess is covered, you know, in, in many of the things we spoke about. Yes, but, yes. And trying to keep it simple. Um, they're, the, you know, they're two yes. things, I think, that, were, uh, that are, are important. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, you said about the concentrates and making that it is, you know, is different. And you did talk about horses being too fresh if they've got too much concentrate. Can we talk about the tip number two now, which is feeding hot horses? Yeah, so if you've got a horse that's prone to being a bit too strong or uh, or willful or has behaviour issues, then uh, there's a couple of areas there that you need to think about. One is uh, how much concentrate you've, you are feeding, particularly yep. relative to the workload. So if you're... Uh, working your horse only on the weekend, but feeding it every day, uh, then maybe that's excessive. And and secondly, the types of feed that you're using. So if you use a fat and fibre-based feed, which is a lot of forage and maybe some fat supplements and very limited amounts of starch, then um, you're going to create the right circumstances for improved behaviour. So mm-hmm. moderating the amount that's fed to match the workload and and keep the horse in the right body condition, and uh, looking at concentrates that are that are sort of more fat and fibre based, um, rather than full of sort of starch. So you know, going away from things that are too grainy. Now, a lot of concentrates these days are pelleted or extruded, so you can't really tell the amount of, of, of grain that's in them. Um, but you can make some assessments either from the bag or from the uh, you know from the company uh, that. Um, that is um, supplying them. As well as um, feeding lower starch concentrates, you could also look at feeding lower intake concentrates. So a lot of horses don't need, you know, two, three, four kilos. They do perfectly well on forage with, say, one kg of a balancer pellet that's supplying some minerals and vitamins and uh, things like that, perhaps a bit of extra protein to match up for deficiencies in the hay. So not every horse uh, needs a, a feed that's fed at two to four kilos, but um, if you do have a hot horse, then really look at the choice of feed you're using. Head for the head for reduced concentrate intake, um, even down to say one kg. But use a feed that's designed for that, or head for things that are higher in fat, fibre, and lower in carbohydrates. Okay, okay. I think they, they're um, that's some good advice for people with hot horses. What about on the other end of the spectrum? This is number three: is feeding lazy horses. Yeah, well, here we're sort of thinking about ponies, I suppose, and, and, and often warm bloods that mm-hmm. are asking, uh, are sometimes lacking energy. Now, sometimes they're, uh, they're lazy for veterinary reasons, so I think you need to look at, uh, okay, is the horse lazy because it's got sore joints or sore feet um, or is having muscle problems like tying up, particularly in, uh, in a warm blood situation? There's uh, some disorders there. So are there reasons for it being perceived to be lazy when mm-hmm. it's not really? Or does it just 
need a bit of extra uh, extra energy. And some of these horses will benefit from strategic use of, of higher starch feeds. Um, so coming from grains like oats, which are a great grain to feed horses, they're uh, Horses eat them well; they're well digested and uh, and uh, and safe to feed. So, sort of strategic use of increased amounts of oats related to competition or, or heavier training sessions can give your horse that bit of extra energy. The other thing, of course, there is fitness. So, having the horse fit fit enough uh, for the task you want it to do, but in a feeding sense, uh, then uh, strategic use of, of extra energy is is probably a uh, key thing and more starch-based energy. Okay, okay. All right, now we talked about the importance of the adequate forage intake and I think it was tip number one on the 10 tips of the basic feeding principles but you've got it again because we've got stable limited pasture because competition horses and performance horses are often worked every day and in a situation where they're not in that herd situation. They're separated to make it easier, to make it more practical for the person that's working them. So what have you got to say about the adequate forage intake when the horse is stable or there's limited pasture access? Yeah, I mean, the other point is that they go away to a competition and stay there overnight yes. or for a few days mm-hmm. and get reduced pasture intake there. You need to replace it. And uh, the um, you need to remember that, you know, where you do uh, stable or limited uh, the horse has limited pasture access, then uh, giving the horse extra extra forage, particularly in the, in the form of chaff, uh, in the form of hay, sorry, rather than, or you can use chaff or perhaps hay ridges that are around now, uh, will make up for what they're not eating uh, in grass terms. And ideally that would be admin forage. So you've got a hay net um, and uh, the horse has got, you know, free choice hay. They can choose how much to eat. Um, there are some horses that will eat too much, so you need to uh, slow that down either by giving them measured amounts or using, you know, double small hole hay nets or double hay nets to reduce the amount of um, access they get to hay. But uh, they need a they need a certain amount of forage uh, to replace what's uh, what they're not getting from the pasture when they're um, when they're locked up or, or travelling or at, at a competition. Okay, okay. And we've got number five is feeding during competition and travel. Is there anything else we need to know besides the forage when oh, we're feeding? Well, that's a, I mean, that's a, that's a sort of specialist area and it depends on probably on the, the length of, of travel. Yep. So, you know, where you've got, uh, you know, there's eventers, I think, have travelled to Europe at the moment as preparation for Amanda Ross, one of mm-hmm. the riders we have a bit to do with. Amanda's just gone to, taken her horse to, to England this week. Yep. Um, so she can train and hopefully make the team for WEG. And so what you're doing there is you're recognising that, uh, you know, long-distance competition, you're worried about hydration status, you're worried about having um, dust-free feed, so you're trying to keep your, uh, you know, soaking your hay. Uh, you're reducing the amount of concentrates being fed because the horse is standing around in a, in a float or a truck or a, a plane uh, for lengthy periods of time rather than, than working. Um, you're looking at... Uh, you know, where you can, if you travel, depending on the length of travel, get them off, allow them to put their head down um, and, and, and graze, and that allows the dust bacteria that have got into the respiratory tract to uh, sort of drain outwards uh, with the mucus. Um, in competition, I think one of the key things is trying not to make too many changes. So, you know, feeds that you're going to use at the competition, the horse needs to be used to those at home. Um, and to uh, not feed your concentrates too close to the actual event, uh, the competition event. So 
you're much better to, um, and this is for harder working horses, but you're much better to have a gap of three, three or four or five hours from the last concentrate meal to when you're competing. Okay. Then you are thinking, oh, my horse is going to go out and do a round of show jumping. I better sort of load it up with energy, <laughs> energy just beforehand. Now, there is a bit of a caveat, and that relates to perhaps gastric ulcers prevention yep. and um, perhaps looking at uh, giving them some, uh, some feed, some feed, you know, maybe a kg of feed or something like that, a bit of concentrate and some loosened chaff or loosened hay, half an hour or so, perhaps uh, with some, um, some antacids in that, a buffer in that about half an hour or so before they go and work, but you don't want to be feeding them a big feed of grain um, too close to exercise. Much better letting them just have free choice access to hay and keep the grain and uh, at, a, at a distance from the, or at a time gap from the electrolytes, from, right. the, from the exercise. <laughs> you said electrolytes. I think you're reading my mind. I was going to ask number six was yeah. the use of electrolytes. So, um, yeah, if you can talk about that as well. Yeah, well, it's a good, good, uh, good segue there. Yeah. Electrolytes are, uh, are minerals that are lost in sweat, um, sodium, potassium, chloride, um, and there are smaller amounts of calcium and magnesium. And these are, um, you know, the horse sweats to uh, lose heat. Um, it's its main heat loss mechanism, the dog pants. Uh, we mostly sweat, you know, humans mostly sweat. And when they sweat, they lose water and electrolytes. So the horse that is, the performance horse that is sweating, they need to be replaced. And so that's where you've got to look at strategic replacement of electrolytes. Horses don't need electrolytes every day because they do different amounts of work and do different levels of, uh, they have different sort of sweat um, losses. So look at uh, choosing electrolyte, choosing your electrolyte replacement program based upon how uh, much the horse is working and how much it's sweating mm-hmm. uh, and adjusting it accordingly. There's many uh, commercial electrolyte products and one of the keys is that every horse needs some salt every day and salt is sodium and chloride, so it's part of what they're losing in sweat, but they all they all need some salt every day and so that's a key part of... Um, but when they go beyond light work and start to sweat significantly, it needs some replacement. Have a look at the electrolyte supplement you um, you, you think about using, and um, look for you know higher amounts of, of chloride, um, uh, sodium, and potassium, and less fillers like you know it's filled up often filled up with sugar or B vitamins or things like that that really aren't lost in sweat, so we don't need them. So uh, we've got things like Restore is the name of our product. Uh, it's uh, I think a, a well fortified one. There's a number of others around, and to adjust their use according to how much your horse is sweating. All right, I think that's a good tip because I think sometimes electrolytes are just fed regardless, you know, regardless if the horse is lame or, or not. Uh, absolutely, yeah, there's no. Yeah, yeah. Wait, can you hear anything? No? That's because we're waiting for someone with a good quality horse product to be advertised here. If that's you, then contact us, horsechats at horsechats.com, and we'll send you the details. Thanks. All right. Now, also, too, and you did talk about lazy horses and um, going back to they might have sore joints or sore feet or something, but you've got here number seven, the inclusion of joint supplements. So would you be able to talk about that as well? That's an interesting one for people, particularly if they've got lazy horses. Yeah, well, it's yeah. a growing area of uh, 
of um, a growing market for mm. uh, the use. So there are injectable uh, joint supplements that mm-hmm. you can get from your vet, or there are some oral ones around that might be based on glucosamine. Sometimes they have chondroitin in them. There's hyaluronic acid, uh, which is a, a, a sort of more potent uh, oral joint supplement. And um, or there's you know green lip muscle and a variety of things out there. So there's a lot of products out there that people use, and they might be using them for, because their horse is showing some signs of joint disease, and they want to uh, uh, reduce the uh, the, the, uh, the damage to the joints, reduce the inflammation, and that's a good thing. Very often they're used for prevention, and uh, that's uh, a bit harder to tell. Is that a is there a benefit in that? Um, and obviously, in an individual horse, you're never going to know uh, because that's just a case of one. But joint supplements uh, have been around. There's increasing numbers of them around. There's lots of glossy advertising and uh, the, the, the choices, you know, what, how people are choosing. You know, do you use something? And performance horses, they don't all need to use them. depends on um, the work they're doing, uh, how long you want the career to go for, and uh, are they showing any signs of joint disease like sort of swelling or, or pain or, or lameness or heat? Um, and then you have a choice of product. So there's many, many products out there. In the oral sphere, I think, um, you know, the basic ones are glucosamine. There needs to be a certain amount of glucosamine a day in the supplement. So 10 grams of glucosamine for a 500 kg horse would be the sort of the minimum. Um, there are advantages perhaps... Uh, but with the inclusion of chondroitin or MSM or other ingredients, and hyaluronic acid, I think, is now becoming more widely available. And uh, so, uh, you know, we have a hyaluronic acid supplement called Cinovate HA, which is uh, a really uh, yeah high quality supplement. How do you spell that one, Peter? Cinovate S Y N O V A T E Cinovate yep. HA, and uh, that's a, a supplement that um, is a a high quality hyaluronic acid. It's a liquid, so it's easy to give, and uh, that can uh, improve a number of aspects of joint function. Okay. Good. And the hyaluronic acid is a natural component in the horse's joint, and it's a key thing is sort of lubrication. It's a key part of the joint fluid and lubricating the, um, the sort of cartilage surfaces that are gliding on top of one of each other, uh, on top of one another, and uh, and the uh, the joint capsule. And uh, so it's got some uh, anti-inflammatory properties and so a number of beneficial properties for, for cartilage and for joint fluid. All right. Now, with these supplements, are there any that we have to watch, you know, just thinking about performance horses and swabbing? Is there anything we've got to watch there or anything that is on the market that we do need to watch? Definitely. Uh, there's... Um, a number of uh, things or situations where supplements have been contaminated with drugs that have mm-hmm. led to positive swabs. Uh, I think uh, there's two areas there. A number of herbal supplements, I think, you know, and, and particularly if somebody puts on a, you see a product, uh, this will not swab, this will not test, so that, that's a red flag. Okay. Um, you know, I'd run a mile from those sort of things uh, because uh, that's not possible to say. Mm. <laughs> uh, it indicates a naivety. Uh, but I think looking for supplements from reputable manufacturers that are manufactured in uh, facilities that have um, you know, good manufacturing uh, protocols, GMP accreditation, good manufacturing practice, or are registered now 
amongst joint supplements, some of them require registration with the APVMA, and that's an indicator of at least um, of um, that the manufacturing uh, will be will be done right. But there's many of them around now, and there are some of the more grander claims. And, and this one's for, uh, et cetera, uh, you want to be uh, treat them with a degree of caution. It's um, mm-hmm. definitely an area to be, to be aware of. And it's the same with all sorts of things that you add into your horse's feed. But particularly sort of, yeah, herbal things, and sometimes they can have uh, drug, uh, you know, they have drugs in them. Okay, okay. All right, now number eight, you've got feeding during spelling. And I've got to put in there, because we do have some um, overseas listeners, that spelling means holidays or time off. Yeah, holidays. <laughs> so you're not working your horse, and horses, mm. horses need a break. Yep. Uh, they need a break. And, and often it happens when uh, the rider has a break, <laughs> the rider yes. goes away from holidays. Yep. So, um, but uh, sometimes it's enforced due to uh, injury. Uh, and they need a, need a break to uh, allow lameness to resolve. Um, uh, and uh, other times there are there are other reasons. So obviously when that happens, the workload reduces, so uh, the horse doesn't need as much energy, so you're going to cut down the amount of concentrates that your horse is being fed. Uh, they still need, you can't cut them out entirely and just uh, just feed forage. Obviously uh, we'll need some, uh, some sort of supplement that supplies uh, minerals and vitamins, but a lower intake uh, supplement uh, or a lower intake feed, uh, such as a balanced pellet, may be appropriate. And it depends whether you want the horse to gain weight or lose weight. So you've got to adjust the concentrate intake according to those parameters. And if you need the horse to uh, to gain weight, then they are going to be fed some concentrates in, the, in that period. And they're going to be fed in excess of their maintenance requirements, and so they'll gain some weight. And that's often, you know, in racehorses that happens. But in a performance horse, it shouldn't be the case. It shouldn't be the situation where you need to um, be gaining weight. You're trying to keep them at a sort of steady weight throughout the uh, throughout the year. Okay, okay. And then that way, if they've got that steady weight, it's not like they've dropped weight because they've been spelling and they've got to come back in and put on weight and increase the workload at the same time. Yeah, yeah, that's very that's very difficult to do that. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, you're better to you know look at maintain them. So you've got to look, okay, what's the paddock they're in? How much grass is available? Uh, if there's not enough grass available, or the quality's not good enough, you know, do I supplement that principally with hay? And and often the horse will tell you out in a paddock. You know, you'll tell you where they want to eat the hay. Mm. And if the grass is there, they'll take that as their first choice. They won't they won't eat the hay. Yep. If they're spelling during winter, they might like the hay because um, there's a bit of waste heat that comes from the digestion of fibre in the hay, uh, whereas the grass can be quite watery, and uh, so they might eat the hay to keep warm, but they uh, very often they'll, they'll tell you about their need, need for hay okay. by leaving it or, or consuming <laughs> it. Okay. Yes, yes. Okay, now the next one is number nine, understanding how hard your horse is working. Yeah, um, that's a difficult one for many people to judge, and uh, you know, you may say, okay, I'm doing dressage, but there can be a massive range in the work the horse does, or show jumping, you know, depending upon the number of jumping efforts and what the sort of training is. Does the training involve a lot of jumping, or does it involve a lot of flat work? <laughs> and so it's difficult to to do that. So the one way of, of doing it that has a bit more science is to look at, um, you know, measuring actually making some measurements of the amount of work your horse is doing. And you can do that, um, you know, a bit like, um, you know, the odometer and the speedometer of your car. You can do that, but how do you do it? 
as you look at heart rate, that's an indicator of the amount the horse is working. And so uh, we, um, we've collaborated with um, a sort of software designer to come up with an app called Clockit. And that's actually a free app that you can download, Clockit EQ, um, and it goes on your phone and the phone goes with the horse and that will record um, you know, the time that the horse spends walking, trotting, cantering, etc. Uh, if you've got heart rate, monitor, uh, heart rate uh, monitors attached to the horse, it'll record heart rate, and that gives you uh, a, um, gives us a better guide as to how hard the horse is working. Because um, you know they might be trotting up a hill, and that's harder work than cantering on the flat. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Using something like that and, and making a bit of a record, you know, keeping a record of how long you work for can give you a, a bit better clue. And we've done some studies looking at, um, you know, the influence of, of time and distance of work and energy needs, and there's a good correlation. And you can make some of those correlations from using, say, heart rate data or just using, you know, time and distance, so the amount of time per week that you spend uh, at different gates will obviously influence it. So it's a free app, um, Clock at EQ. There are some others that are there. It's a bit like the, um, you know, the sort of uh, the wristwatch or the that um, people use when they're running and uh, who are exercising and, and they're wanting to record, you know, how far they run and their speed and things like that. So it's the same sort of thing, but it's there for horses. Yes, yes. You know, I've used it and I think it, it gives you a lot of feedback. It gives you the feedback and you can also guess and say, right, what do you think I did today could be a bit different to what you actually did. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. So it's the time, you know, we're all being encouraged to walk so many steps per day. Well, why not let's look at that with our horse? And, yes. And it's interesting too that if you, um, and this just goes in the phone, on a phone and the phone's on the right with goes with the horse. You know, yeah, some horses yeah. do a lot more steps in the paddock than others do who stand yes. by the gate waiting for the feed. So uh, that, that's part of their exercise program as well. Yep, yep. If you're an equestrian coach or a horse riding instructor, or even if you aspire to be one, have a look at the free video series for horse riding instructors on the Horse Chats website. Go there now. Have a look. Horsechats.com. All right. Now, number 10 here is pre-work feeding for gastrointestinal health. Yeah, I think I've actually spoken about this earlier. You did talk about minimising gastric ulcers before, yeah. Yeah, when I spoke in the competition feeding Mm -hmm. uh, uh, during competition. But this is for everyday training and that um, gastric ulcers are a very common problem in horses and in part, you know, that relates to a number of, there's a number of uh, factors involved that are, we would call risk factors for gastric ulcers, um, and that could be a whole, you know, a whole topic in itself. But uh, maybe we get to that. We do get to it later on, uh, a bit down the track. But um, acid. The the horse's stomach is um, naturally fairly acid, particularly when the horse hasn't been hasn't got any feed in its stomach, um, and that acidity is. Um, the, the liquid in the stomach is sort of meant to be confined in the lower half and there is a mucus lining covering the stomach to protect against damage from the acid. However, when, you, um, when the horse walks or trots or canters, you can imagine that liquid splashes around. And so the very acid liquid then splashes into the top part of the stomach and uh, it doesn't have the same lining, it doesn't have the same coating, and that starts to uh, cause ulceration, erosion and ulceration. So one of the good preventative strategies is to put something into the stomach before the horse works and 
to use a couple of components. One is you can just use, uh, say, Lucin, mm-hmm. and Lucin has a great buffering uh, effect. So feeding um, you know, half a biscuit of Lucin hay or a couple of dippers of Lucin chaff, and sometimes people mix that up with a bit of concentrate feed as well, and that's because um, the horse is more likely to eat it if there's a bit of concentrate feed. And um, and um, you can also put a sort of buffer in, so there are various buffers. So, you know, there are some feeds that have these buffers in them. There are some feeds that have these buffers and a bit of chaff, so something like uh, Baristock Complete Performance, an example of that, uh, where it's um, it's got some chaff it's got, uh, and it's got a natural buffer. So uh, that might be a good feed to use in uh, prior to uh, training, or you can mix it up yourself with your normal feed and some loosened chaff or hay. And that really helps the splash of the acid, helps stop the splash of the acid, splash of the acid and uh, helps buffer the acid. So uh, you're reducing your risk of ulcers. Yeah, yeah, I think that was good because you've not only explained why and what, but you've also explained why and a little bit about what's going to happen within the horse's gut. So that was good. All right, well, those those 10 tips for feeding performance horses. The first one was select the energy concentrates based on the workload, the value of fat, fibre in the ration. Anything to sum up there, Peter? I think this is a really important part of feeding a performance horse, getting the energy balance right and, uh, you know, the amount of energy and the sources of energy are probably the, the key thing Good. to the success or failure of your feeding program. And uh, this is where, you know, it goes back to judging a little bit, you know, weighing your horse, so looking at changes in body weight or more likely looking at assessments of body condition score um, and being uh, being flexible about um so the way you, way you feed, the amount you feed, and and what you feed, and not every horse performance horse needs concentrate feed because mm-hmm. some of them with good metabolisms that aren't working too hard might just need one kilo of a balancer pellet, and other horses doing the same sort of work might need three or four kilos of a higher energy feed. So we've got a real range there. Okay, good. All right. The next one was about feeding hot horses. So what have you got there? Well, your feeding strategies, we've got hot and lazy horses at two ends of the spectrum, Mm -hmm. or you've got the normal horse in the middle, and the feeding strategies for those are going to differ in terms of the amount you feed and the choice of where the energy comes from. So feeding fat and fibre-based energy is much less likely to mess with the horse's mind and and influence behaviour adversely. Uh, and the, the sort of lazy warm blood often needs a bit of grain uh, to, to get them going. Okay. So that was for tips two and three. And number four was uh, ensuring adequate forage intake when the horse is stabled or limited pasture. Well, this gets back to the horse's basic need for forage. So uh, if they're uh, out grazing, they can have free choice forage uh, intake and that might, uh, you know, they might graze for extended periods of day, depending on the amount of concentrate they're fed <laughs> and uh, the amount of hay they're fed. Uh, but then when you uh, take them into a box or, um, or in a yard or they're in an area with limited pasture, then you have to replace that because um, they, they don't have the fruit choice forage. Okay, good. Number five was feeding during competition and travel. Well, things are different there. Um, feeding during travel is a specialty uh, item and that depends on you know, the length of time you're travelling for. Um, I've, if a longer journey, I think you know, having a hay net and 
front of the horse is a good idea, uh, but that you want to make sure that there's not dusty hay. So keeping the dust down is really important. Um, thinking about electrolyte replacement, so the horse uh, starts its competition with adequate amounts of electrolytes, and I think I'm jumping ahead to the, the next point, um, and not feeding your concentrate feed too close to the actual competitive event. But if you've got multiple events, such as a show jumping, you're away for the weekend, you've got several show jumping classes, you've got to think about um, things like uh, antioxidants for, for sort of muscle health, um, think about replacement of energy stores, et cetera. So uh, it, it becomes a specialised area. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. You talked a little bit about electrolytes. Was there anything else you wanted to say? Oh, just that, you know, you don't need to feed electrolytes every day or to every horse. It really depends upon, um, you know, what sweat losses. Sometimes some feeds have got electrolytes in them, uh, but to pick a product that's got plenty of electrolytes and to use it according to the amount the horse is sweating. Good, good. All right, number seven, inclusion of joint supplements. Yeah, this is a very popular area. It's an area that where people spend a lot of money on, and uh, sometimes I think I'd be careful about, uh, you know, using them when appropriate and mm-hmm. uh, picking the right quality product to use. Okay, good. And not just, I mean, it's difficult, you know, the, the marketing, uh, people making, you know, the glossy brochure and the big claims look attractive, but they're not always the best quality product. Okay, okay. All right, the next one was feeding when the horse has got some time off. Time off, uh, they're not working as much. Uh, so unless they need to gain weight uh, or, or, or sort of rebuild muscle or do something like that, then you're going to reduce the amount that of concentrate that you're feeding them, give them a chance to go back to a more natural diet with more forage and to um, sort of reduce, so reduce but not totally eliminate concentrate from the horse's diet because they, they do need... Um, particularly if they're out for an extended period of time, they still do need some of the supplements, the minerals uh, like calcium and, and, and vitamins, et cetera, like vitamin A and E that they're getting in their feed. Yep. All right, number nine, we talked about um, understanding how hard your horses work and we talked about the app clock at EQ. So um, if you could talk about that quickly, that would be great. Yeah, well, that's a free app that you can get which will it'll do the calculations on how much time and uh, the horse spends working at different gates uh, on a day and week and a month and give you a guide as to the differences between and you can go back and compare. And, and it, as I say, it is a free app, so uh, it's something that uh, many people have used around the world um, and, you know, a similar function to the sort of Polar or Garmin um, you know, watches that people have these days and use to monitor their own their own exercise. So uh, that's something that uh, you can download it, um, and um, and is a good guide to uh, and, and a good record keeping system for how hard your horse is working. Yes, yes. Okay. And number ten was the pre work feeding for gastrointestinal health. Yeah, I think this is as we're more aware of gastric ulcers and everyone is aware and, and the potential impact of them, this is one of the strategies that you can do. I mean, it, it, it's it's not going to totally replace uh, the use of um, drugs such as omeprazole that reduce acid secretion, mm-hmm. uh, but um, it does um, give you the chance to reduce the aggravation. And there are some horses that you go, well, you know, they're uncomfortable working, they seem uncomfortable working, and it may be that they've got gastric ulcers and the acid in their stomach is splashing around and irritating them. Mm-hmm. And uh, that may be, um, you know, one of the factors. So putting some feed in there, particularly based on loosen, the forage should be loosened, and uh, perhaps a little bit of concentrate feed and maybe a buffer as well 
is a really good management tool. Yep, yep, good. All right, then, that's wonderful talking to you today. We've been talking to Dr. Peter Huntington, who's the Director of Equine Nutrition at the Kentucky Equine Research, and he's been talking about 10 tips on feeding performance horses. Now, Peter, your contact details, if people would like to contact you, contact Kentucky Equine Research, and also the details for the clock at EQ link, we'll put them in horsechats.com, but if you could talk about them now just in case someone's there with their pen and paper or, or on their phone ready to, to write right. down your details. Okay. Well, mm. the, the website is uh, kr.com and uh, there's a link to Crockett EQ on the website or you can just, uh, search it. It'll come up. Crockett EQ Sport is the one there. Um, you, on that same website, you can get to the library that's got links to Equinews, which is a fantastic uh, resource for articles about uh, horse nutrition, about health about uh, some articles about management, and these are easy-to-understand articles. And um, you can also uh, look at uh, phoning us on uh, 1-800-772-198 or emailing advice at kr.com and uh, hope to give you uh, good, uh, good balanced advice about uh, your feeding and nutrition uh, queries. Okay, and there's also a couple of things we talked about with Restore and Cinovate and a couple of other things. There'll be that on the website as well if you want to look into um, purchasing that. Yeah, that'll be that on the web, the website. And, uh, yeah, if you're wanting to look at yeah, more details about those or feed-wise, uh, so we work with our Barristock Feeds in uh, Eastern Australia and Milne Feeds in Western Australia and they've got uh, websites with details of uh, products that can help you feed your performance horse better. So it's Barristock Horse com.au or, or milne.com.au. So, uh, yeah, good good products, uh, good feeds. And um, and the other thing we've done with Barristock, or with both of those actually, is we've got uh, some software called Microsteed that allows, uh, it's a sort of ration design software. So uh, if you put some details of your horse in, the forage it's got, uh, the size it is and the work it's doing, and then we'll offer you a menu of choices about certain feeds and it does some calculations about you can choose, you know, I want a, you know, a particular feed such as Barristock Command or because it's a sweet feed or I'd like a Peloton feed like, you know, Milne, like Pegasus Coolmax. Choose that and then the software will do some calculations about the amount that you should feed of that and the amount of forage. So, uh, and that's if you... Uh, if you look for uh, for Microsteed. And I think both of their websites have got links to that Microsteed uh, function. Good. I think that's a, a bit of good research if you've got horses, particularly if you're feeding performance horses. So thank you for telling us about that. And um, those links will also be on horsechats.com slash peterhuntington3 it'll be, or just go to horsechats.com, search for Peter or search for Huntington, and you'll find that page with all those details. So thank you again, Peter. Thanks for talking to us today, and we're looking forward to our next chat. Great, Gladys. I look forward to that too. Bye. Bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate, and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government-accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.